So today is a big day in Christianity. This is the day that we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. And in all reality, even though that's true, we still have a lot of Christians that don't really understand what happened. And we celebrate him dying on the cross and rising from the dead, and he did. But he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. He did it in your place. That was your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And today is about you because he did this for you. So we're going to get into the blood covenant today and explain it to you. And when you leave, you will be a different person no matter what. So let's pray. Father God, we're going to open up the word of God now and study what you did Easter and, and how that fulcrum of time changed everything, how you did it, why you did it, and how that benefits us and how that changes everything for us today. I ask you to give us understanding in the covenants of God and understanding in you and how you operate and how to walk with you and how to take advantage of what you did. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to Matthew 26, 26. I'm going to start reading here about the, the communion service Jesus did before he died. So let's go. And when they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, hey, take eat. This is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it to him and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And I say to you, I will not drink this food again. Un, un, until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The first thing I want you to look at right there, he said a new covenant. The Bible actually is divided into Old Covenant, New Covenant. We say Old Testament and New Testament. I wish we didn't say that because it's not a testament, it's a covenant. Now, let me make another statement to you, and this is going to set the stage for the whole day. God never moves in any human's life apart from a blood covenant. Never has, and he never will. Now think about what I just said, because a lot of people ask the question, why does a good God allow what's going on in the world? He is not allowing anything going on in the world. But God of the universe has never answered a prayer he has never moved one finger toward any human aside from blood. Once you understand that, then you understand God, you understand your Bible, you understand Christianity. You understand why things happen and why things don't happen. Why do some people pray and nothing happens? Some people pray and stuff does happen. We're going to learn that today and we're going to find out why God does what he does and how he does it. But Jesus cut a covenant. He says a new covenant. One of the reasons he said a new covenant is because the old covenant was obsolete. The old covenant was a covenant made with animals and it covered sin. Up until that time, no man had ever been born again. No man had ever been redeemed. Adam was, was not in heaven. Abraham was not in heaven. David was not in heaven. No one was in heaven. Not until Jesus rose from the dead and he took captivity captive and took them with him up into the presence of God. No one was allowed in the presence of God until Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And once you understand that there had to be a new covenant to replace the old one because the old one was inadequate. It could not do the job. It could not redeem man back to God. 
So having said that, he said a new covenant. And so I want to under- talk about covenant. So I want you to go to Matthew 22.2. And um, just, let's just look over there. And I want to show you something, a scripture in the Bible that will set the stage for what we're going to talk about. 22.1. Jesus answered and spoke and says, a parable, a kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Now, Jesus said... I'm going to teach you what the kingdom is like. And immediately he said, there is a great king that arranged a marriage for his son. See, Christianity has never been about a religion. It's always been about a relationship. So, so the whole story of marriage. So, so let's talk about covenant for just a moment. When we use the term blood covenant, The average person in America says that's not something we practice in America. Yes, it is. You see, we think of blood covenant, we think of Africa. I have been to Africa, and they still practice blood covenants there. And did you know that in the history of Africa, no one has ever broken a blood covenant? Once they cut covenant. man said to me one time, he says, never travel through the jungle with blood covenant brother. And I said, why? He said, because if a lion attacks us, I have to stay and help. But if, a lion, but if I travel with non-blood covenant brother, all I have to do is outrun him. <laughs> they take it very seriously. But blood covenants are still practiced in India. They're still practiced in, every, in China, in Taiwan. People still practice it. You say, but what about America? Do we practice blood covenants? Yes. Marriage is a blood covenant. What you may not have understood is that everything that you're doing in the day someone gets married, from the eating of the cake to the, to the, to the wine and the ceremony, to the trading of rings and gifts, is the cutting of a covenant. So what is a covenant and why do we celebrate them? Covenant is not a contract. A contract can be broken. People get into business, they break contracts all the time. But a blood covenant can never be broken except by the death of the person making the covenant. It is the most powerful um, union on earth. If men and women understood what they were doing when they'd get married, covenant is the giving away of yourself. I want you to stop because I don't want to keep going. I want you to stop and I want you to think, what did he just say? When I married her, I gave her me. And she gave me her. And we call that a marriage. That is why God does not want you jumping in bed with someone you don't have a covenant with. Because marriage is hard. He wants you to walk up and give yourself away before you begin because now you're going to start having sex and you're going to find out you don't like them and you're gone. You've cut a covenant with someone and you violated a human being. Thank you. So marriage is a very sacred covenant and I wish that the church understood this because Only through 
my tenacity. See, when Jesus said to you, I will never leave you. I didn't, I'm not faithful to her because she's good. I'm faithful to her because I'm good. God's not faithful to you because you're good. He's faithful to you because he's good. But what God is after is a marriage covenant for his son. So let me make one more statement before we move on. Jesus is not returning for his girlfriend. If you're not the bride when he returns, you'll be here. Sign up. I need someone to take the church when we're gone. He ain't dating you. Glory to God. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 with me, and I'm going to prove what I just said. Come on, y'all get excited. I'll keep you here another half an hour longer. <laughs> uh, if you're a visitor here, turn to your neighbor and say, does he do this every Sunday? Yes, he does. Ephesians chapter 5. We have fun. One day I was doing a wedding and while I was doing the wedding, I was reading this, and it dawned on me, he did not write this in the Bible so I could do a wedding. He wrote this in the Bible so that when you're doing a wedding, you'll understand Jesus. I went, oh, Shondai. I just learned something about the Bible, you know. Thought I'd get that. Now, now, now I don't want you wives to women to choke when I read the first verse. Just, just, I'm going to read a cuss word, but y'all just, wives, submit. <laughs> Jesus didn't make you a doormat. We'll get into that in a minute. Wives submit, it means adapt, to your own husbands as the Lord. He's talking here about Jesus. He's going to show us that if you want to know about church, look at marriage. Somebody said one day, says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian to go to heaven. No, you don't. Your wife doesn't have to cook and make love to you either. That's selfish. If you want to get legal with him, he can get legal with you. I don't have to do that. You're right. Well, wait do you talk to him? And he goes, I don't have to do anything to you either. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. See, if you understand marriage, you understand Christianity. Because it's a relationship. It's about love. It's not a duty. It's not a duty for me to love this one. It's not a duty. It's the greatest joy of my life. Should be the other way around. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by his word, that he might present her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh and nurses and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one what? 
flesh. One person. One person. Listen to me. If you and Jesus are not married, you are not going to heaven. Oh, I thought it was a name. I, nah, I know you thought. You've been, he gave himself for you. What's he looking for? You give yourself to him. Come on down, don't shut me down because I'm preaching real good. Now, when... Lisa and I got married. Her name stopped being Leggett. And she became Morgan. And her and I became one flesh. But I speak a great mystery. But I'm speaking of Christ and his church. So all of my money, she got it. Oh, everything that I am or ever will be, is hers, and she did nothing. So I'm going to give you ladies, and let me say, if a billionaire says marry me, say yes. We, we don't care if he's ugly. Thank y'all, because you don't have to work for nothing. It's all yours. The day you got born again, everything that is God's became yours. You are no longer your own. You are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your name is Christian. All right, now let's move on a little bit because this is, this is going to get gooder and gooder and gooder as we go. Now you're going to understand why someone got saved in the first service. Go to Genesis chapter 15 with me. Genesis chapter 15. I speak a great mystery when I'm talking about Christ and his church. 15.6. I'm going to read 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Don't be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. Verse 6, And he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, how is it I know I'll inherit it? Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. How do you make God do anything? You don't. He either does it because he wants to, or you ain't going to. What are you going to, going to hire a lawyer? Hey, God, you told me to do this. I, I, I'm going to come over and slap you upside your head. What are you, what are you going to do if God keep, doesn't keep his word? It's quiet in this little church. How are you, you going to hire an army? Hire George Soros. He'll go take care of it. I don't think so. I mean, this, well, that's a, this, is a, this is an absolute good question, folks. Abraham, God is coming along going, hey, dude, man, I mean, you the man. I mean, I'm going to take care of you. He goes, you know, you're going to leave tomorrow, and you ain't never coming back. And anything I can do about it. How do I know you're going to do what you say? 
That's a very good question. Is it possible for us to know that we know that we know God will keep his word? Yeah, it is. I want you to pay very close attention to what God is about to say to Abraham. I'm going to get ahead of myself. He's going to cut a covenant with him. And he's going to give himself to a man in marriage. This is huge. This is huge, folks. Even though it's old covenant, it's huge. Let's finish reading. He said, Lord, how do I know that I'll inherit? And he says, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Keep going. And he brought all these and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other and he did not cut the birds in two. And the vultures came down on the carcasses and Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, a horror and a great darkness fell on him. We see in John 8, Jesus said, Abram saw my day. What is God? Showing him the cross. I see that you brought the doves and I see you brought a goat and a heifer. And I'm going to bring me. And he showed him Calvary. That is the point that it said Abraham believed God. He sees Jesus dying on a cross. Now, we wouldn't know that if Jesus hadn't have told us. Let me finish reading this. Y'all are quiet, and it's okay. I get it. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. To your descendants, I have given the land. That, that day, that day, the God of the universe became one with a man, a human. Now, why would he do it? Number one, out of love. God needs a body, and he has no access to one. Abram has a body. God made man, and he's on the outside looking in. He lost everything in the garden, and now he has no family. So he comes and he finds a man and says, cut a covenant with me. I want to be your God. And Abraham goes, you betcha. So now we understand Abraham's blessings are mine. What Everything God owns is his. They get in trouble, God takes care of them. They run out of food in a wet desert, he takes care of them. They run out of water, he takes care of them. Their enemies come against him, he kills them all. This is God. But now that's not the only thing that happened that day. Abraham gave himself to, to God. He's now not Abram, but Abraham, which he took his name. Just like Lisa became Lisa Morgan, not Lisa Leggett. She took my name, which means she, she took mine. Not only is she my wife, I'm also her husband. Amen. Not only did I give her me, but she gave me her. That there's safety in that. All right, this is Old Covenant. Not even New Testament, but Old Testament. So are y'all ready to move on? Okay, Exodus chapter 2. Let's see how this plays out later. God is a God of covenant, and I told you that he never moves anywhere in the earth without a covenant. All right, and let's prove it out. 
2.23. It happened in the process of time. The king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came to God because of the bondage. And God heard their groanings and remembered what? Read it with me. His what? Covenant. God ain't helping everybody. God, God is not answering everybody who's having a problem on this earth. But I'm going to tell you something. When you cut a covenant with him, he is responsible for you. And he goes down to Egypt and goes, Pharaoh, tearing them loose, I'll slap you upside your head. And he did it. Took them out in the wilderness and took care of them and took them into the promised land. Now he had trouble with them, but they didn't have trouble with him. He kept his word. Are y'all ready? All right. I'm trying, Exodus 12. Let's move on a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's doing pretty good right now. 12.1, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land and said, this month will be a, the beginning of the month and it'll be the first month of the year for you. Speak to the congregation of Israel and saying, on the 10th of this month, every man take a lamb. Why? Why is God asking them to take a lamb and to check it out. You remember John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God is going, I'm about to take you in the desert. Grab a lamb. You and I are about to cut covenant. Do you understand what communion is? Communion's for you. It's for you to remember, I got a blood covenant with God. God's not, not helping you because you're great. He's helping you because he's great. It's okay. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if y'all are fun. Verse 4. If the household is too small on the lamb, let him take to his neighbor next to his house according to the number of the persons, according to a man's need, you'll take it to count your lamb. Verse 5. And the lamb will be without blemish. A male of the first year, you'll take it from the sheep or from the goats. What do you think's happening to Jesus for 30 years? We're finding out, is he the lamb? And the day they took him before Herod and Pontius Pilate, what was Pontius's words? I find no fault in him. 30 years, we find no fault in this. In other words, he can become the lamb. Do you know, we don't talk about this much, but at Christmas, there's an area called Bethlehem that the only place that they take lambs for the altar and a manger is made out of stone. The lamb that's going to be used and sacrificed is laid in a stone manger. That is the manger Jesus was born in. The lamb, the perfect lamb. Very important for Jesus to be born in that town, in that manger. God's pretty cool. Now you know he wasn't born December. Okay, don't shout me down. 
verse 6. Now, now you'll keep it till the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they'll take the blood and put it on the two doorposts, on the lintel of the house, and then while they eat it. And they'll eat the flesh on that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. And do not eat it raw or boiled all with fire, with water, but roasted in fire, its head, its legs, its entrails. And let none of it remain till morning. And what remains till morning, burn with fire. And thus you'll eat it with your belt on your with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and so shall you eat it. This is the Lord's Passover. I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I'll strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I'm going to execute judgment. I am God. When Jesus went to the cross, he declared judgment and damnation on, every, on Adam's race and on all mankind except where the blood was applied. Now let's read this. Now the blood shall be a sign on your houses where you are and where you see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will come on you. Say no plague will come on me. You see, he gave us the blood flowing through Jesus' body is not the blood of, of Mary, it's the blood of God. Amen. God's his Father. And when that blood was shed, it is the only thing that would pay your debt. The only thing that would pay your debt. When, when Jesus went into hell, and he went into hell, and he was there, and he became sin. I was watching a documentary the other day on YouTube and about a, a, a young man that had been born again seven days, and he died of a heart attack. And let, he was in his bed at night, and he died of a heart attack, and, and he went to heaven. And when he got there, he knew nothing about Christianity. He had just gotten born again. And he was so excited. He met Jesus. He said, I have a lot of questions. And he starts asking. He said, I asked him 100 questions. And he answered them all in great detail in a moment. He says, I got to the part about the cross. And he said, explain the cross. And he took him back in time and let him stand at the cross and look at it. And he said, what I saw was a mangled man. And you couldn't tell it was a human being. They beat the hell out of him. Ripped his beard out. There was not even a recognizable figure on that cross. He took it all. Why did he raise him from the dead? To prove that he accepted the sacrifice. But he didn't die in his place. He died in yours. What is the resurrection? It's proof that God's accepted you. And your debt's paid but only by blood. When we're talking about marriage. Marriage is blood covenant. Jesus is not coming back for his girlfriend. He's only returning for his, his bride. That's not his choice, that's yours. Woo! He says, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. Yeah. 
I'm looking to see what else I need to read. Go to Romans 10. God has never done anything. Well, as a matter of fact, matter of fact, let me let me back up a minute. Let's show. Let's go someplace. Let's go to Romans four twenty-five. I got time. Romans chapter four, verse twenty-five. You're going to have to find it on the screen. I didn't give this one to you. He was delivered because of your offense. How bad were you? Look at the cross. That's how bad you were. And was raised because of our justification. So what is the resurrection? It is proof that God accepted what he did. So his resurrection is whose resurrection? It's yours. Jesus, the only way to make it is for you and Jesus to become one person. Outside of that, you have no salvation. So he identified with you, and as he became as you were, so you can become as he is. So when he went to the cross, he went in your place. When he went to hell, he went in your place. Well, let's get into this for just a minute. We got a little bit of time. You remember the story of the rich man in hell? You remember I've told you this every Easter, but we got people here that weren't here last Easter. We're going to go over this. The rich man's down in the region of the damned. And the Bible says that he asked for a drop of water. If you were in hell and you had one request, what would it be? To get out. Right? Not, not one drop of water, dear God, at least a bucket. He's not really asking for H2O. I, the Lord said this to me one day, he says, well, what would you want if you are in hell? I said, no, I want out. He says, he, he's not asking for H2O. Why is that? How do we know that? Because it's your flesh that desires Hydrogen and oxygen, not your spirit. He's not asking for hydrogen and oxygen. He's asking for a drop of the life of God. Remember the woman at the well? He says, if you'd asked me, I'd have given you living water that would spring up inside of you unto eternal life. So what is happening down in, in hell? The Bible says, him who knew no sin became sin. He didn't, see, you, you, you and I were not lost because we smoked dope. You were lost because you were dope. You didn't do sin, you were sin. You didn't do, you, you're, you're a child of Satan. There's no good thing in you. Not a drop. So you die dead, where do you go? To hell. What's hell? Absence of God. Does God want that? No, he does not want that. He don't want you to go. He loves you. So Jesus went in your place. But in order to take your place, 
He had to take your sin, and your sin didn't kill him physically only. It killed him spiritually and separated him from God. Now, he's in hell. Jonah was in hell. When he died in that fish, he went to hell. Go back and read it. It doesn't say, it says that the mountains wrapped around him. There's no mountains in a Jewfish. He went into hell. Now, Jesus had to trust God to get him out. Now, you've had to trust him to get you out of some messes, but nothing like this. This is why he said on the cross, you got another way to do this? Because I don't want to do this. He had never felt the wrath of God in his whole life. Never. But God turned his back on him. And God poured his wrath on him. And that was your wrath. And when God said, it's enough, the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The Holy Ghost went into hell and Jesus was born again. He's the first man to be born again. That's why he's the head. And when he popped out of hell, grabbed his body on the way by, he said, he saw Peter and guys and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Had Satan known it, He'd have never crucified him. He didn't go there for himself. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. It is illegal for the God of the universe to send a man to hell for sinning. Because the debt's paid. But if you die unmarried, you're not one with him. The only way you can be saved is you and Jesus to become one person. And that's done in a marriage ceremony that he's already said, I take you, Adam. I take you, Rose. I take you, Zach. And he's waiting on you to walk up and go, do you, Daryl, take Jesus to be your Lord and Savior for all eternity? I do. And from that cutting of the covenant, Jesus and I are one person. And God will never pour his wrath on Jesus' wife. For he has redeemed us to God by his blood. Come on, y'all. This is... You, you know... When I, when I learned this, I mean, I shouted. Woo, Jesus is Lord. Now, you say, well, I don't serve him. I'm his wife. I love him. I'm not here on Sunday because I have to be. He's not begging me to be good. I'm not trying to be a Christian. Now, if y'all don't understand this, and I realize we got people here that don't like Donald Trump, so just forget about whether you like him or don't like him. What's his wife's name? Of Melania. Melania. Melania was a broke Russian. Broke, broke. It all ended one day. 
a guy named Donald said, do you want to be my wife? She went, I don't think I've got to pray about this. And you know what? When you see them walking side by side, she is actually the prettier of the two. I mean, she's stunning. But she wouldn't be there. She wouldn't be on the helicopter. She wouldn't be in the White House. She wouldn't have a, a snowflakes in hell's chance had it not been for a wedding that she participated in and took his name and his checkbook and his credit card and everything else the man has. And he walks along showing her off and she's like, yeah. And that's you and me. Amen. Broke, yep. ignorant, stupid. Yes. And Jesus goes, you want to you get married? And we go, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything that's God is yours. You get in the desert and he will take care of you. You get thirsty, he will feed you. You get hungry, he will take care of you. I don't care where Milani is, she picks up the phone, there will be an airplane, a helicopter, and the National Guard will find that woman. You call him, he ain't even going to answer the phone. But you call God. God, I'm in a mess. I was down in Haiti. Some of you know this story, but I want to tell it again. I got 53 Haitians. Haitians are great people. I love Haitians. You know, they're in a mess, but I'm in a Bible school, and I'm preaching the gospel, and there's kids there for ministry. Well, most of them aren't even born again. You know what they preach? A little bit of voodoo, a little bit of juju, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit, a little bit of everything. They don't, know what they, they don't know what they believe. I got 53 Haitians in a room, and I'm teaching them the Bible. I gave an altar call and got most of them born again. They're in ministry. They don't want to go to ministry. And, I'm, and I'm, about to, I'm about to get them filled with the Holy Ghost, and I know that they're going to struggle with this. Now, in Haiti, when I went, I don't know what it is now, a month's wages was $20. A month. So I'm about to talk to them about being filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I, I reach in my wallet and I pull a $20 bill out. Now, that don't mean much to you, but it does down there. Let's see if I even got one. Yeah, I do. Got a 20. <laughs> now, just imagine this is 2,000 bucks, not 20. So I'm standing in front of 53 Haitians, and I said, who wants this? Do you know how many of them raised their hand? None of them. Why? Because this has to be a joke. Nobody would give us, just walk up and give us a month's wages. In America, when's the last time somebody just walked up and gave you, oh, I'd give you $2,000. Here you go, buddy. You know, it, it, p- people don't do that. So I'm, I'm in Haiti. I pull out a month's wages. I said, who wants it? And the whole building is quiet. And they're just, and so I went, who wants this? And they're quiet. 
And I just walked back and I said, okay. And finally, a girl in the back sheepishly raised her hand and went, I do? And I handed it to her. I just walked up and said, here. You're welcome. And I turned around. And see, I had walked by, I don't know how many young men. I asked everyone, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? And nobody, nobody took it. And I turned on and I said, do you think I'm taking it back? I'm not taking that back. And all of them went nuts. I had a meltdown. And they were going, he walked right by me. I didn't even lift up and take his I didn't take I didn't take it. And then I turned to him and I asked him a question. I said, why did I give her the money? I don't know her. Not because she's good, but because I'm good. I said, God has a gift for you. Not because you're good, but because he's good. 52 Haitians jumped up and instantly started speaking in tongues. They went, Shonda. God has great things for you, but he's waiting on you to quit thinking it's because of you. It's because of the blood. He ain't never done nothing for any of us because we were good. He did it because he's good. Now, as Melania, as pretty as she is, she's a Trump. But there's something better than being a Trump, and that's being a Christian. Now, he's returning for his bride. I kind of hope that you leave with us. Say, this is good. Does y'all understand Easter now? This is not rocket science. This is pretty easy. Go to Romans 10. That's where we were going when I got sidetracked. His death was your death. His resurrection was your resurrection. His victory is now your victory. His righteousness is now your righteousness. His authority is now your authority. His kingdom is now your kingdom. His father is now yours. And his life is now your life. Listen to Romans 10. Nine, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My God, don't complicate this. If you're here today, I'm not even going to wait. Liz is going to give an altar call. I want you to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross for me. And Jesus is Lord. If you just did that the first time, welcome to the family of God. I got to tell you one more story. I'm in Russia in, um, no, I was actually in Ukraine, Cherkasy, Ukraine, down north of, south of Kiev. There was a conference going on no, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. This was Russia. I was in Russia, I'm sorry. I was in Russia. I was in the Ural Mountains. This was in the Ural Mountains. There was a conference there with what I call big dog preachers. You know what I mean by that? 
the guys on television. Now, that doesn't make them a big dog because, see, I'm a little dog, but I'm a pit bull. And I don't know I'm a little dog. Never mind. That's another subject for another day. Amen. Okay. But one of the big dogs didn't make it to the conference. Now, every morning from Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night, big dogs have been preaching in this conference in the Ural Mountains in Russia. And they get to Thursday, and one of the big dogs didn't make it. And they asked me if I would like to preach. I said, let me pray about it. Yes. That's a true story. Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to explain something to you. These men have been giving altar calls three times a day since Sunday, and this is Thursday. 500 people in a building. The average number of people getting born again is eight. Every time one of them gives an altar call, eight people come forward. I preached there what I just preached here. And I said, how many of you would like a drop of zoe on your tongue? 500 people responded to the altar call and came forward. Now you might say, now this is what they said. Who is he? I said, wrong question. It's not who I am. What did I say? Why would that make a difference? Because I preached good news. The man in hell, one drop of the life of God on a man in hell will come out. If you accept Jesus and you died and went to hell, you could walk around and leave. Because hell couldn't hold Jesus. And hell can't hold you. And hell on earth can't hold you either. Because the difference is one drop of the life of God will bring you out of hell and make you more than a conqueror. So my sermon is because of the blood. Somebody texted me the other day and said something. I said, if a mosquito landed on me, and bit me, he'd fly away singing, the blood, the blood, the blood. <laughs> Say, this is good. I want you to know something. God did that. We celebrate. He did what he did for you. Please don't die and throw this away. We're not talking religion. We're talking relationship. He loves you. One time a man went to heaven to be with Jesus. I mean, died and went to heaven and came back. And he, he asked him about the cross and he said, my worst days ahead of me. He said, how so? He said, there will be people who will say no. 
and I'm going to have to dismiss him. That'll not be a good day. He don't want to do that. Don't be in that crowd. Please don't be in that crowd. Just take the gift. When I got born again, I promised him, I said, if I go to hell, be your fault. And I prayed the prayer, and he changed me. I didn't change me. Just walk the altar and say, yes. Amen? I want all of y'all to have a great resurrection day, and I want you to remember this. This is the day you rose from the dead. And you will never die again. Say, I will never die again. God bless all of you. I want you all to have a wonderful day. Lisa, take this. Oh, we Hallelujah. Have a Praise the Lord. We Jesus is Lord. Amen. If you are signed up to be baptized this morning, go ahead and quietly sneak out. Leave so you can go get changed. If you want to be baptized this morning, totally um, see me in about three minutes. I have a couple t-shirts in the back. <laughs> probably more for a guy, right? So while they're getting changed, we're all going to celebrate in this baptism. Amen. When I release you, we're all going to quietly go into the foyer and we're going to go right out there on the portico and watch them be baptized. Amen. We're going to celebrate the resurrection life of Jesus in their lives today. Amen. And so while we're waiting for them to be changed, I just wanted to say three words to you this morning. What about Easter? What about Easter? What about Easter when you wake up tomorrow morning? What about Easter on Wednesday? What about Easter on Friday? Is it some theology that was preached this morning? Yay, Jesus rose from the dead. Hoorah, what a great guy. What does that mean to you? What's that mean for you? Well, he explained it to you. Jesus told Martha. Jesus had three best friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, their brother, died. And Jesus waited four days. He wouldn't even go lay hands on him or pray for him when he was sick. He waited four days in his town for him to die. And she was upset. And she said, Lord, if you'd have just come in three days ago, We wouldn't be going through this right now. He's already in the grave. He's wrapped up. He's in the tomb, and he stinks. But you could have come and laid your hands on him. We wouldn't be going through this right now. And he looked at her and said, your brother will rise again. She said to him, I know he's going to rise on that day, someday in the future, when we all get to heaven. He said, Martha, I am right now the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me right now shall never die, but shall live. What he was saying to her is not I'm going to be someday for you and your brother. He says, I am right now your life. What about that relationship that you're in that you feel like it's impossible for God to work in? What about that financial trouble you're going through right now that you feel is impossible to come out of? What about that thing in your body that you feel is impossible? Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, right now, right here for you, I am your life. I am your resurrection. I am your life. Not just someday. I am right now for you, your life. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus, you're in me right now. You're helping me come through this financial situation. You're helping me come through this situation I'm dealing with in my body. Right now, you're with me in this relationship that it just looks impossible that I have any hope for it to survive. Jesus said, right now, right here, I am in you. I am helping you. Hebrews says, so that we may boldly say right now, the Lord is my helper that life in me, Christ in me, now is the hope of glory. So with every head bowed, before we go out to watch this baptism, one more time, every head bowed, every eye closed. If, if you said and declared with Pastor Morgan 10, 8 minutes ago that Jesus is Lord, and it's the first time you ever did that, just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. If it was the first time you ever did that, just raise your hand. But this morning, if you didn't say it, I want everyone in this place to say it with me before we go. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for being a substitute for me. Thank you for taking the punishment for my sin. Thank you for going to hell for me. Jesus, thank you. Forever you will bear holes in your side, the nail prints in your hands, the prints of spikes in your feet. Forever you will be man and you will be God. And I thank you for that. I repent of my sin and I love you. Therefore, you said, Whoever confesses me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Jesus, you're not only the Lord, you are my Lord right now. You are my resurrection. You are my life. You are life to every situation that I'm going through now. Your life in me is helping me overcome. Today, tomorrow, next week, next month. So what about Easter? Easter continues in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.